Textile Podcast. All right. This is a place for the prudent crypto investor, gigabrains, devs, founders, and moon boys. Quick disclaimer. This is not financial advice. We're just trying to make sense of the madness that is cryptocurrencies together. I'm your host, Sira, and I'm joined by a few of the council members of the Deus Ex DAO, Brucey, Ace, Ape, and Nighthawks. Bruce, can you tell our audience what is Deus Ex DAO? Hey, Sarah, thanks for that intro. Uh, Deus Ex DAO is an investment syndicate and a group of like-minded crypto investors who are trying to have a good time and uh, make money in the process. So it means we have our different expertises, uh, we pool our investment research and capital, and we work with teams and projects to help them succeed. Awesome. And when and how was it founded? Well, we're kind of still in the process of that. Um, we began as a community on Discord, like so many of us DGens probably, you know, meet one another. And um, I had run into some of these awesome people who are here on the podcast with us um, on Twitter. And um, we began coming together on Discord to share information. And I think very quickly we realized that it could be much more than that. And that was really a function, too, of me personally thinking that, well, investing can be a very zero-sum game and also very solitary in a sense. So why not do that together? And um, it quickly became clear that we are gathering such a broad expertise uh, among the membership and uh, that we can really add value, not just to the individual investment process, but also to projects themselves, you know, crypto startups and uh, also other funds. Yeah. So... I'm a part of the sorry. I'm a part of the Discord, right? And it is very evident when you enter that there is so much going on in the space that you cannot do. You absolutely cannot do this by yourself. And so, like, I found extreme value just seeing the comments from a lot of people who are just a lot smarter than me, uh, which sort of elevated my game, which was awesome, right? And so, what is separating? Deus Ex DAO uh, from your traditional VC? Well, I could speak to that a bit, and then I, I think some of the rest should chime in. But I think more than anything, we are deeply crypto native. You know, we're, we're so in the weeds, we're using these products, we understand the importance of memetics and the communities. And I think that really does give us an edge because, you know, in comparison to a more traditional crypto fund, we are willing to back anonymous founders. Um, we are comfortable with just doing on-chain token deals, for example. But more importantly, I think because we are such super users, we also understand what parts and building blocks are so important or which things are really investable for maybe a more retail-minded investor rather than uh, a fund that needs to allocate hundreds of millions a year. Um, Mm -hmm. that, and, and and that's one part of it. I'm I'm really curious what the rest things. Yeah, I mean, hey guys, this is Ace. I, I think the uh, major difference is, you know, we're for all intents and purposes a prop fund. This is our own capital, uh, so we're going to want to be involved as much as we can with these projects because we have a vested interest in their success. Um, you know, so so we can be selective about who we work with uh, and how we contribute. So um, traditional VCs 
oftentimes they're kind of taking a spray and pray approach and they'll, they'll, you know, sprinkle a little bit of capital across a ton of different projects and they may just set it and forget it. Well, definitely we can, we can have, um, you know, a long conversation about this and whatnot. And I would like to, but before that, let's introduce ourselves. Bruce, if you don't mind starting again, if you can just give us a quick who you are, background story, and, and how you got into crypto. Of course. So, hey, guys, I'm Bruce. Um, I am a small business entrepreneur. I have been for about a decade. I've been investing in equities for maybe the past five years or so, um, typically oriented on tech stocks um, and try to find a synergy between value investing style. So think uh, Lee Lu and uh, Charlie Munger, but trying to blend it with the things that I understood well, which is internet technology, entertainment, and so forth. Um, I bought my first crypto in the 2017 run-up. I sold it at a loss once the market crashed. And because I saw better opportunities in stocks, because that's where my energy went, I really didn't look at crypto again until the start of this year. And uh, damn, what I saw, you know, is software being built on the blockchain and the implications are just undeniable. And uh, I shifted all my investment energies and um, that's where we are now, you know, and I'm still concentrated long only. I don't trade. I farm a lot and really am working on Deus Ex DAO with the, with the remainder of my time. All right. Ace. Yeah. Thanks, Ralph. You know, we're, we're really, really uh, kind of coming from various backgrounds. And personally, I, I worked uh, as a, for the man, if you want to say, for about 14 years before, you know, taking the plunge into crypto and completely non-finance background, um, come from a technical kind of engineering math focus. And um, I'm one of those people that's, when I'm curious about something, I will dive in with both feet. So um, I had a, you know, a fortunate year um, in sales and wanted to invest some money uh, into savings. And at the time, you know, I, I think everybody got their information, you know, from the internet. And I, I went on seeking internet, seeking alpha and noticed that uh, the Indian rupee was, you know, uh, there was crazy devaluation. So Bitcoin prices were going up. And I, I remembered Bitcoin from like a 2020 or 2012 news story. And I figured that the science experiment had died, but clearly I was wrong. And this was 2016 or so. Um, so that's when I made my, my first investment kind of as a, a reflexive asset, everybody kind of buys their first when it's going up. Um, so I, I was, again, very fortunate to get into to Bitcoin, I would say early, um, earlier than a lot of people, um, fell down the Ethereum rabbit hole, had no idea what a smart contract was, but, uh, um, once you started to to see the power of programmable money, um, it's it's a very uh, I'd say a very absorbing um, paradigm to, to 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 understand and learn. Um, I've been a wannabe entrepreneur my whole life, and the way that I've um, done that is through small businesses, and I do a lot of blogging. Um, so as uh, as I continued to work throughout the 2018 to 2021 kind of bear market period. I was fortunate to, to invest um, the majority into Ethereum. Um, and that has turned out to be a, a you know, a, a nice way of building up a, 
a solid background for me to solid base for me to leave my my working job um and i began a small friends and family DeFi fund uh, earlier this year that um i've been super fortunate to work with people i i enjoy spending time with and uh the fund uh, certainly launched a, a very good time for crypto so um we're we're now you know all four of us are, are full-time crypto um i i continue to support uh the community through blogging and, and, and run a small community called Etherpy, um, which is mostly for educating new crypto curious uh, investors and, and uh, sharing alpha and that kind of thing. So for um, sure, crypto is, is now life uh, for me or forever, hopefully. Yes. Congratulations. That's awesome. And so this seems to be like, you know, uh, sort of how it happens, right? You dip your feet in and then you get so interested, you get sucked in and that turns into a, hopefully a career um, and it just snowballs from there. Excited to have you. Um, Sorry, I, I just want to hop hop in and say for a second, Eftropy is such a great community. Like for anybody who's listening and is trying to find a home in crypto, uh, take a look. It, it's been very welcoming. Hell yeah. Ape? Yeah, so I feel this, this um, is also a little bit true about me where... A few years back, I um, a friend of mine recommended Ethereum and looking at it. And from there, I started actively trading. And a few years later, I, I still haven't exited the, the, the space. Um, I got sucked in and want to learn a lot about trading, about all different aspects uh, of technical analysis, about building indicators or, or bots. And that kept me busy. And, um, you know, you meet a lot of great people along the way. Um, you make new friends, you join communities. And currently I'm an active team member at the Burp Nest, I think already for quite a while, uh, where I help traders learning more about the markets, about trading and how to do their analysis. I help them with their risk management and, and stay alive in the markets. And I think that's, you know, one of the biggest takeaways I have from this space is, um, you know, the cryptocurrency space rewards those who stay active and, and keep watching the space and then participate in it. Um, and, you know, that help from friends and, and your network is, is really valuable. And what, that's also what I like about the Deus Ex Tao is that we help each other in exploring the, the space uh, give each other info in a way that we we try to broaden our horizons and go go past what we normally would think and and that speeds up our um, our growth as individuals but especially also as a group absolutely so when i first entered you notice you know you you, you notice these people on twitter they have big followings and you sort of comment on, on one of their comments or you ask for help and what you find is that people are so willing to help right because i believe it's because they understand the steep learning curve right to get into the space and so everyone is re you know just so happy to help nighthawks let's talk about you hey guys nighthawks um i've been in crypto like many others since uh 2017 
Um, I'm, I'm one of those people out there that found Bitcoin via online poker, uh, back in 2016, I guess it was. Um, and was only using, using Bitcoin as a, you know, conduit for me to, uh, get cash from the poker sites back into my bank account. And, uh, I believe there's one day where I'd, I'd cashed out from a poker site using Bitcoin, left it in the Coinbase account instead of immediately transferring it to cash and woke up the next day and it had like doubled in value. And I don't think I really played anymore on online poker after that. Um, it was, it was all, uh, crypto and went down the rabbit hole, caught the 2017 run. And uh, didn't do so well on the uh, violent pullback that followed. Uh, but I s- stayed in the space, um, never left it, and uh, sort of put my head down after uh, the 2017 run and, and uh, really, really dug in to try to learn how to trade. Uh, I do not have a finance background at all. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an attorney. I've been practicing law for about 10 years. <laughs> uh, handling personal injury litigation and, um, sort of went crypto full time, I guess, uh, in 2020 and, uh, put the law sort of on the back burner and, you know, I I have a love hate relationship with that. I'll probably bring it back into the fold here soon and, uh, continue with crypto as well. But, uh, I agree with ape that, you know, crypto does reward those that, find ways to stay involved in the space and to um, find ways to continue to understand what's happening um, as the market evolves over time. And it happens so quickly. So um, very happy to find this community via, via Bruce and um, yeah, happy to All be right. here with you. Guys. Yeah, man, that's wild poker player to crypto. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. It, it's actually uh, not the first time I've heard that. I spoke to someone recently who said the same thing, you know, doing online poker and uh, needing crypto to get the money on. So that's clearly some onboarding mechanism. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of us out there like that. Um, it's, it's painful to think about, though, like way back in the day, how much Bitcoin I had that I, there, I think the number that I've like seen on the computer screen back in like 2016 is like imprinted in my brain and, you know, it was immediately sold for cash, but you know, <laughs> for <That's> you hilarious. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Typical though. Typical. Um, and then just a bit about myself. So I was a proprietary trader for about a year and then I got into sales. I got into food sales. I was a food sales manager here in New York. And in 2017, I bought a little bit of, you know, ETH, Bitcoin, got burned, and then I sort of forgot about it, but I kept, you know, what I had. And then when COVID hit, I went to take a look at what ETH and Bitcoin were doing because the market crashed. So I was like, what's going on here? And what I found was that it was cheap as hell. And at the time, the word DeFi kept popping up everywhere. And I was like, what the hell is DeFi? And then you do a little bit of research and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then you find out that the Bitcoin having is like a month from now. And so I literally went all in and then just started learning cryptos full time. So 
to get back to what we have on the Discord, because I want to touch on, you know, what you kind of see on our Discord, what we talk about, and how the structure of the DAO is in terms of members. Maybe, Bruce, do you want to start on what is the structure of our DAO and what can we find on the Discord? Sure. So, disclaimer, we're still figuring this out, but our process is getting better by the day. Um, our community is invite only. And the reason we did that is because we want this to be a place that's very high signal to noise. As I'm sure, you know, many crypto listeners with all the discords you're a part of, you have seen that it can get very, very crowded and uh, very ineffective to have to manage all of that. So, okay, how do we do that? Well, first of all, it's invite only. Um, how can you get an invitation? Well, we have distinguished three membership levels. So someone who's a member of the Discord is an associate. And then someone who has proven his or her or their merit um, can be upgraded to an agent. And starting from an agent, we consider you to be a member of the DAO. So an associate isn't yet, although they do have access to many parts of our insider community. And then the agents, they are able to participate in deal flow, um, get access to institutional research tools that we're socializing the cost of. Uh, we're actually in the process of hiring an intern. So depending on whether we fill that slot or not, by the time this comes out, consider applying, please. Or if you know anybody, you know, please send them through. Um, and then we have our council, which includes some of these lovely gentlemen uh, we have on the podcast today. And uh, we try and spearhead governance and shape the organization for the DAO. And so what that means is anybody from agent or council level can suggest people to be invited to the Discord community to become an associate. And as an associate, you can basically prove that you're worth it. Um, you have to fill in an application form, substantiate uh, a thesis, explain why you would be a good contributor, what your value add would be. And uh, that's the process. And you know we have to try and calibrate what the right amount of people is um, we still believe we can grow. And we also think that some level of churn and some level of new membership is going to be healthy to, to maintaining an active community. Absolutely. Because the last thing I think anyone needs who's trying to seek help or seek value um, from others is to you know, be, for example, on a Telegram page where you have 5,000 people and there's just it's like all noise now how am i supposed to decipher what is noise and what is not so i i love it i love what we're doing here okay so i i did want to talk about the different narratives of 2021 sort of like a recap of 2021 right and i want to know your thoughts so we saw i guess the rise of rebase coins metaverse a huge explosion on like layer ones nfts and meme coins um nighthawks your thoughts on, you know, these these different narratives, which ones were you heavily invested in yourself? Um, and and yeah, which ones uh, sort of were you able to catch? Yeah, um, so 2020 was really interesting year, I think, in uh, the market. Um, the huge run on the all the uh, I guess we're calling them DeFi 1.0 now. Uh, 
tokens at the, to start the year was pretty pretty incredible. And I, I think I caught a good chunk of of, uh, of that run. But what followed for for all of those tokens through the remainder of the year uh, has been essentially a bear market, and that's uh, been super interesting to see. And uh, you know, I think there's reasons we could talk about why that may have happened, but yeah, um, I think I've been pretty focused on the layer one front, um, the alternative layer one front. I I don't say, I can't really say I was really early into all that, but you know, um, I don't think I got in until Avalanche really uh, started, took off and they announced their incentive program and, and, you know, Ave and and Curve were going to be launching on Avalanche and, you know, I turned into a bridge or, um at that point and i think that those alternative layer ones can can continue what what they've started um i mean one of the things about these the layer ones and their tokens the alternative layer ones is that it's hard to put like a ceiling on the value of of those tokens you know i mean they can go much out higher as long as the narrative is there which narrative in my opinion is like the most important thing in crypto um versus a governance token connected to, you know, adapt on one of these things. Like I think it was Avi Feldman who said, uh, once you have uh, valuation mechanisms for these tokens, then you can find a ceiling for price. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's sort of a powerful point. Um, so yeah, I've been really focused on the layer one stuff. Uh, I, I dabbled in the NFTs, um, and you know, Metaverse is the first time. I, I think I'm a bit older than than most people here, but Metaverse is the first time the cryptos made me feel really old. Because <laughs> just I'm just not there. I'm not. It's like, uh oh, maybe I am getting old because this is just like I, I, I'm not there with that yet. So um, yeah. That's my take. Would love to hear what everybody else has to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I boomered it hard on metaverses here. I mean, I it's not that I don't see the value. I guess I guess like because I come from like DeFi summer, DeFi 1.0, um, and use those those uh, those DApps directly, it's easier for me to tangibly see value. With uh, with the metaverse, it's all narrative. Um, and there are some really, really smart, you know, chads out there that were able to take advantage of, you know, tokens like Sand, which completely blew up, or Axie. I mean, Axie, there was actual fundamentals you could track. And, you know, I think it was when the, the Delphi research paper came out and showed how low the price to earnings ratio was and how fast the, the adoption was. And, you know, Southeast Asia, it just like, exploded and you could have taken advantage of that just as like a uh someone from the sidelines who like read the the report and you know i I completely fumbled that too um so (laughs) i think you know it depends on you know what your comfort level is and investing in things you don't understand and that's that's something that i i'm totally fine missing things if i'm not uh if i if i can't conceptually understand like what i'm doing where where the value is coming from I'm, I'm fine passing on it. And, you know, kind of that dovetails into the the new primitive, which is uh, protocol owned liquidity and rebase tokens. And Olympus DAO has been, you know, 
I don't, I hate when people try to label it as a Ponzi because um, at the end of the day, they've created a bunch of new concepts that are going to be stalwarts within the DeFi space and their new primitives and um, the community building and, and uh, you know, entrepreneurial spirit that's come out of the, the DAO has been amazing. Um, so everybody, you know, strives to be as uh, well organized and well um, uh, backed by, by Olympus. And uh, it, it's impressive what they've been able to, to build. So that kind of hits two things, right? It, it's the rebase tokens and the, the DAO. And um, yeah, the, the third and final, which has been completely shocking and caught a lot of people off guard, it's just been this ex ex extremely fast and huge bubble in the NFT space. I, this may be the biggest bubble in, in the history of the world, if you think about it. I mean, NFTs came out of nowhere, like late spring this year. Um, if you look at like the OpenSea volumes, you know, they, they topped a billion within like the first couple of months. Um, the NFT interest is, is growing continuously. The, the volumes and the, you know, sales are certainly dropped precipitously. Um, and I think the, the allure of just looking at a JPEG and flexing is waning to some extent, uh, but it's certainly setting the stage for a really, really exciting application, um, of, you know, how you can, how you can use NFTs to, uh, you know, to, to, to gate access or to, create productive um you know essentially make these productive assets so nft fi is something i'm really really fascinated and we can get to the kind of what what to look for next but yeah ape what do you think man yeah so i think there is a, a general theme in that where if there is a new type of technology in crypto people get interested and a lot of people start building on top of that or start investing on that so um last uh or like already two summers ago, it was uh, was DeFi and that new trends gave boost to a lot of new projects, but also to new techniques like yield farming or the lending, lending and borrowing on chain. And I think if you can identify these technology trends fast where you can say, okay, I see NFTs moving, uh, what's the next application of that? wait a second it's games and then you see games developing on the blockchain and using these nfts then you can jump into these ecosystems or uh, subsections of the market and actually be be early um the question is always what is a real new technique and what is just noise um and i agree with you that you you can't ignore the market leaders there in in the case of the Olympus DAO, there were a lot of projects coming coming after, and it might not be the most perfect project, but it was a new form of uh, at least community building with the tree tree meme. Um, but of course, uh, there was much more to that with uh, with the with the rebase mechanisms and the high APY. So. Um, I, I think it's about finding these uh, really smart people, really smart developers, uh, the teams that can deliver uh, on that, and then see if the other projects start to follow and, and jump in on on that hype or um, on, on that new technology. And um, of course, it's always following the hype. And um, there is there is a um, a 
message we sometimes have to to each other and uh, i i don't think everybody would agree but uh, we we sometimes say ape first think later in some cases it's um it's about understanding the value from a, a gut perspective that it's new without fully understanding the value and then you you go in um and see if um if, if it really pushes through and and see if if the team really can develop uh but i think uh, with if you have a mentality like that you really need to be um fast in the market um you need to know uh already beforehand a little bit about the market where you know the, the basics or know what technologies have been tested or are valid um but it, it certainly gives you an idea of that timing is important in the market yeah i think options traders know this really well where time is an asset in the market and especially in crypto that moves fast where uh, funds move fast um i think sometimes you can do equally um get equally valuable information in five minutes of research uh, as in like five hours and uh, the rest might be just um just refining but um you know as somebody who is called aperture i think that message resonates a little bit more with me as it has to be your trading style uh, but of course you can always uh, start researching more and more and the more you go deeper down at rabbit hole the more you understand the ecosystems and value so uh, that's definitely what i want to uh, to advise to to always dig deeper for sure so i i wanted to bring up um a couple things right and um that is first like you said ape in ape in now or later right i think nighthawk said that he's happy to miss the move um maybe understand the project first now when it comes to something like olympus dow which is an extremely complex you know protocol that is very difficult to wrap your head around i saw the you know i saw the move up when i first actually went to take a look at it it was already above a thousand dollars and then I started, um, you know, reading and trying to wrap my head around it. And I obviously didn't buy it at $1,000 because in my eyes, that was, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait for a pullback. Um, and then this is where sort of your technical analysis or ability to, to look at charts comes into play, right? Which I think is incredibly important for anyone who's trying to get in. Because if you're just aping in and jumping in on the hype at a thousand dollars when everyone's already talking about it well guess what a couple months later you're down 70 percent, right and so um so yeah i just wanted to sort of touch on that i think in apes intro he also mentioned um how we started and, and sort of capital preservation i think it's important to know and to realize that capital preservation is you know i guess rule number one for investing but it's fucking rule number one two and three in my opinion for crypto investing um because of those massive swings well there's um okay you have this old uh, adage a dodge however you say that of uh don't time the market instead spend time in the market and i think that very much has to do with style and for example aperture i really respect because he's just a great trader especially a great trend trader um so he's capable of doing that 
but I'm increasingly finding that, you know, coming from a fundamental background, actually I've needed to learn technical analysis and price action um, to become more, more versed in crypto, to be able to protect my capital. And I think what I've noticed in this very short participation of mine, you know, which is just about been a year, is that on the way up, everything decouples and even uh, ecosystem coins within other uh, ecosystems, like let's say AVAX or Phantom or et cetera, you can have gains that are greater than, let's say, Phantom by buying Spooky Swap, right? And then uh, Phantom might actually outperform ETH and ETH might actually outperform Bitcoin. So that is why you might be okay holding Spooky Swap. Um, but on the way down, they also crashed the hardest. And I think I've learned the hard way that without that ability to read price, just purely objectively, like just ignoring the fundamentals, just looking at price and cutting it when it was weak, like without that ability and becoming more comfortable with that, your bankroll is going to go down so heavily when, when things correct. And I'm not even saying bear market, right? I just mean like a regular 30, 35% correction that we get in crypto every year, or at least even in a bull market. Um, so I, I think that's really important. And um, coming back to the, the ape now and uh, think later thing, that's so damn hard. But I suppose if you have the skills to just look at price, just price by itself and see positive trend, it might be the EV plus thing to do. Um, I personally just really struggle with that because I want to understand and I want to know it's good. Uh, because otherwise, when it goes down, how would I have the conviction to hold it? Yeah, totally. Absolutely agree. I sort of want to get on to, to my next question, um, which I think is also still relevant. But it, so in the past year, institutions, public figures like Mark Cuban, Elon Musk, and, and now politicians and even entire countries are, are now jumping into the crypto bandwagon. Um, so I, you know, with all that stuff going on, I, I wanted to know, do you guys think that cryptos are still a means for the average person to take control of their wealth? And, and I'm asking this because like when you hear people like Michael Saylor uh, scooping up every dip and then now El Salvador is doing it too, and then all these, uh, you know, these larger players with very deep pockets are all starting to do it now as well. Like, do you think that they're sort of pushing out your your normies, right? Is it is it going to be too late for them? Um, so I just want to sort of get get your thoughts on that. I would love to take a stab at that. I, I personally, I I think it's too early to say everyone is going to see what we see and have the risk tolerance for crypto uh, as a means of controlling their wealth today. Um, there's a lot of tooling and front-end uh, user experience that needs to be improved um, in addition to you know, regulatory clarity before this becomes um, the investable asset we all know it will become. So it really is a personality thing and it, it's a, it speaks to somebody who's a bit of a risk taker, um, independent and curious. Um, so as far as, you know, the majority of people in crypto, nobody's holding your hand and you need to be, 
accountable for the actions you take and, you know, accept when things go wrong. Um, you know, we, we hear this, it's not financial advice all the time. And <laughs> it's true. Like you shouldn't just do things because somebody with a lot of Twitter followers um, is doing it or told, told you to do it. And at the end of the day, it's, it's your money. It's your finger on the trigger. Like, yeah, you, you have to be uh, take responsibility for, for good things and bad things that happen to you. And there's always luck and unlucky situations. We've all been rugged. Uh, I think the risk is worth it. So getting back to your original question, you know, the reason we're, we're doing this is because we see crypto as a means for the typical person to, to uh, manage and generate wealth. Um, we've all experienced the, the power of generating yield in DeFi. Um, let's just say if you've deposited assets into Curve or Convex or, or uh, yield farmed a, a new governance token, um, the yields are astronomically better than whatever you're going to get from, from your bank down the street. So um, you just have to be comfortable with a, a higher amount of risk. There's other aspects where crypto is disrupting, you know, wealth creation. And we've seen DAOs generate full-time jobs. Now uh, people are being incentivized or compensated for the, for the work that they're providing to DAOs and, and contributing to projects. We've also seen play to earn create, lots and lots of jobs and opportunity in developing countries. Um, it's really, really exciting to see how crypto is, is improving quality of life for people. And finally, you know, how many conversations have you guys had with, with uh, friends and family in crypto or, or colleagues about legal and accounting help you need? I mean, it, it's, it's probably the, <laughs> the biggest ancillary service required. Um, perhaps it's because there's such you know, uh, there's such a murky policy, um, especially coming out of the U.S., but I, I constantly need help on, on the, uh, the legal and accounting front. So, so yeah, there's, there's lots of blue ocean and the employment uh, aspect of, of crypto that we've only started to scratch the surface with. For sure. And yes, certainly a lot of gray area when it comes to regulation. Like, yes, there is a lot of uncertainty. Um, but I did want to touch on your point about sort of uh, who you're following and to not blindly follow just because someone has a lot of, you know, a large Twitter following, let's say. Um, for example, Mark Cuban got rugged, right? He got rugged this year. I forget what the, what the project was, but it can happen to anyone and it can happen and it happens to the best of us. Like you sort of have to experience this. And um, I don't know, it's just this kind of mindset, I think, that people have to get into. And I'm bringing this up because I have a lot of non-coiner friends, right, who, who don't even consider buying Bitcoin anymore because it's too expensive. And so they'll opt for altcoins. And then they'll come to me and say, hey, what, is, uh, you know, what are your favorite altcoins? And I will go back and say, look, I, I can tell you what I'm looking at today, but it's going to be different from what I'll be looking at in six months. And I'm probably not going to tell you when I sell it. So then you'll be left with, with a bag of shit, potentially. Um, and, and that's just what people have to realize, right? That it's not for every one person, for every one like millionaire story you hear, there are probably, you know, hundreds of, of, of failures and people who like, you know, lose a lot of money. I just want to hop in on that. Like, you know, if you don't care about crypto, you might look at what Bitcoin has done in terms of appreciation 
and say, well, I'll, I'll put 1% of my investable net worth into Bitcoin and just DCA it. You know, you might buy every month, once every quarter or something like that. Um, and, and why would that probably work out? Well, it is a currency in the process of being capitalized. And you could see over a track record of about 10 years that that trend seems to be happening and playing out. And uh, with increased market cap comes decreased volatility. Um, so you shouldn't even care about the nominal price, right? That it's at 50K or 60K um, because it will likely do much better than the alternative assets. Um, however, I personally don't think that that approach is interesting. Um, instead, what someone might do is try to understand crypto. And even if you don't want to go that deep, but just do the fundamentals, well, you could just look at, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum and try and understand, okay, well, why is this technology interesting? What does it permit? And based on that, like, even if you don't teach yourself technical analysis or want to be deep in the markets, you could just take an uninformed approach and just DCA in, irrespective of time, uh, sorry, price, just buy, you know, every every week, every month, every year, um, and keep adding to that. And it will likely do super, super well. Um, but then on top of that, and here's where it gets interesting for me personally, I think crypto is a market where it is possible for the average person to have an edge, an informational edge. You can have an edge because the pairs, the markets, they are too illiquid for large players to play. So even though, you know, you have crypto hedge funds and you have crypto VCs, we, you know, in Deus Ex DAO, we are often among the first hundred or thousands of holders of the token. Even, um, well, let, let me put it this way. In situations where, let's say, there's not a private sale, we might even be earlier than the smart money, so to say. Um, and that's real, real edge. Absolutely. The other yeah. And then one more thing, you know, and <laughs> not financial advice, but crypto is not yet a security. And so I think there's actually quite a lot of uh, event-driven trading that can happen where you could see, okay, well, if you if you understand the listing is coming of a token and you know what, what pairs at that centralized exchange are often uh, traded like, well, then that might give you a bullish or bearish bias to trade around. And there's a ton of these things, you know, where you might, you might have an informational edge by being in the Discord, just keeping track of things that the in-crowd discusses and trading around that. Um, and you cannot, you may not, you know, when it comes to securities, for example. Um, but this is all fair game in crypto right now. And I don't think it takes an incredible intelligence to be able to do this. It just takes work. Yep. Talking about VCs, that's a nice segue because Jack Dorsey, right, yesterday or two days ago, um, I think he posted a tweet about how, you know, traditional VCs, this is going to be, the end of traditional VCs because like venture downs are going to be coming up and that's going to be the new, the new normal in X amount of time. What do you guys think about this? Maybe ape, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. I, um, I'm not really known with how traditional VCs worked. Of course, there is often uh, the license licensing part. Um, I, I think, what is different currently is that um, it's more global and people easier uh, are easier to connect to either each other and, and pool for capital or knowledge or network. Um, so 
I I just wouldn't say it's like directly a plus for for DAOs, but you know that the problem with DAOs is also the the definition. Um, you know, everything can be a, a digital and anonymous organization. So I think it's more um, the current times where you know we have much more access uh, to to each other's knowledge and and can work from abroad or you know from all around the world connect with each other we have the tools and we also have the tools to um let those those funds be pooled so i think that's what's more unique to to crypto vcs in, in general that they can pool capital in ways or tokenize their capital in in some ways uh, that makes it easier to to do these investments or uh, create new financial products or structures and i think that's what's unique i'm I'm not sure if it's you know like a sudden replacement or the one versus another i always believe it's more uh, a gradual approach or a gradual um, way of, of changing what has been. Um, so yeah, in that way, I agree that traditional VCs probably will um, will will cease to exist eventually um, if they not adapt. And I think it's easier, of course, to uh, form a new, you know, DAO kind of structure um, with new people looking at that old model or at old models and, you know, see that they don't work. Um, but I also think that uh, the ones that can, um, you know, jump in in the space, um, learn uh, about the space, learn about how it works, those can catch up. Um, but they probably need the talent. They, they probably need the people. They need the network. And if they aren't willing to go there and still are resistant to, to some of the stuff that's happening here, um, that's where they, uh, you know, probably die off. Um, yeah. I've got a take on this. So first of all, I don't think anybody that's crypto native gives a shit what Jack Dorsey has to say about investing, uh, VC is investing in crypto. As far as I know, the only takes on Web3 I've heard from Jack <clears throat> are why it isn't Bitcoin. And Jack is Jack is like uh, extremely narrow-minded when it comes to crypto. And he, he he's clearly got a vested interest as the CEO of Square, who's a very, very large crypto, or I should say Bitcoin custodian, to keep the attention on Bitcoin. And I haven't seen uh, you know him change that view even since leaving Twitter. And there's speculation that you know some of the, the board members didn't like the way he was missing the opportunity to embrace some of the the non crypt non Bitcoin crypto things happening. You know, he he opened the door slightly for NFTs. He uh, really wouldn't. Um, he dismissed anything not Bitcoin for a long time. And outside of the Bitcoin world, there's a lot happening um, where I don't think VCs are necessarily bad. And let's let's think about who some of the most well respected. VCs in crypto are so paradigm. They they are a mix of extremely bright crypto founders with technical backgrounds. Some of them 
who were former core devs of the Ethereum blockchain itself. Like these, these are not the, you know, the slick backed hair, Silicon Valley uh, finance guys who go out and raise as much as possible and then spray and pray across a, a, a ton of different developing projects. So these, these people are, are extremely involved with the projects. They actually contribute uh, significantly to some of the technical aspects, the roadmap, um, it's not just a, let's send a tweet out about this new DAP we, we invested in. So, you know, they've sort of changed the way VCs, uh, operate in, in the, with, with the way that they're interacting with the teams that they're investing. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a really a choice of the founder about who they want to work with. And, um, good founders will, will kind of know where their blind spots and their needs are. And they can decide how they want their project to be perceived based on the investors that uh, that uh, they partner with. So maybe maybe a non-founders are less likely to go after a a big name VC to raise as much money as possible um, because they they don't want the spotlight, you know, from you know perhaps government <laughs> or or whoever uh, to to see what's going on and and. And there's also the, the legal ap- aspect from a lot of these uh, new projects that no one really knows if, if it's okay or not okay. And and I'd say like uh, those are non-founders likely want to perhaps more crypto native investors to, to work with. And um, so, yeah, that's that's my take on it. I, I, I think Jack uh, is a little bit behind the curve um, and probably because he doesn't really do a lot in this space. So it, it's a... Uh, I, I dismissed it for the most part. Um, Got so. it. And so I think this also sort of ties in with um, this idea of being able to spot who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't, right? And it doesn't really matter, you know, who you are or or rather, you know, your, your following uh, or what you've accomplished, but more so the immediate content, I guess, um, context of what you have of this space in your mind. And that, I think that's, that's pretty easy to, you know, to spot someone who's, who actually knows what they're talking about and, and who doesn't, um, I, I believe, and I haven't spoken to too many, you know, VC managers or whatnot, but like, it seems like there's a lot of the blind leading the blind, but I do want to move on right to where we are today. Um, in terms of at least price action, um nighthawk if you don't mind talking about your thoughts on the recent december price action yeah sure um so i mean the pullback that we've seen throughout q4 has been pretty interesting and it's I was nervous coming into Q4 because everyone was so uh, dead set on us having this big run up into the end of the year. Um, And uh, we got the huge fake out higher high into 69 K and then have, have pulled all the way back. Um, I always watch the 20 week moving average on Bitcoin. We lost it again. And, but this time, it's different because I think what we're seeing now is that Bitcoin's just kind of formed a very wide range 
over the course of uh, this calendar year. And um, it, it's while it's it's pulled back, it, it's it's been an interesting time because it doesn't like Bitcoin doesn't seem to control the market anymore. But when it goes down, everything goes goes with it. And and so it's almost as if <clears throat> um, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here, but I feel like the pullback uh, at the beginning of this month was, you know, necessary for the market to find a bottom. I'm not at all bearish. Uh, like I don't, it's people want to get so stuck on bull or bear market. And at the end of the day, like the market is maturing to the point that we have all these different spaces and different uh, um, iterations of crypto technology that can sort of do their own thing and have their own bull and bear cycles. Um, and, and, and that can be sort of decoupled from what Bitcoin is doing. And so, you know, I think that retail got caught offside uh, pretty hardcore in Q4, expecting this huge runoff just based off of history and seasonality. And um, they're probably going to get caught offside again because I think the market is probably bottoming now. And uh, I think we have can probably expect a, a pretty solid run into January. What comes uh, as we move into 2022, who knows? But, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of it was a product of overleveraged retail um buying every single dip on bitcoin and and levering up more and more as price dipped and then of course they all got rinsed so um yeah i think if you get caught up in the idea right now at least in this are we in a bull trend are we in a bear trend um you're gonna find yourself pretty pretty offside and uh so yeah that was my rambling take on. <laughs> so I, I think um, I I believe what you uh, mean to say versus bull market, bear market, but alt season versus not alt season, right? Because I think what we what we're seeing this time around is is quite different from um, the last bull markets, right? Because it was clear that you know I guess the flow of money was pretty clear, right? So we went to Bitcoin and then Ethereum, large caps, medium caps, low caps, you know, etc. But now it is more so driven by narratives, right? So you have the metaverse taking up, you know, they're, they're having their little alt cycle. Um, you had the meme coins have the little alt cycle. You had the uh, DeFi 2.0 have their own little cycle. I did want to talk about what everyone thinks about how this time around the blue chips, the blue chip DeFi coins, Aave, Uniswap, et cetera, that were all the rage last year right, are not so much performing like, you know, some of the other uh, protocols inside the hot layer ones. Um, what do you guys think about about that trend? I, can I just step in and say that, yeah, on the on backing up a minute on the uh, December pullback, everybody needs to go check out our uh, incredible medium post that was put together by Bruce and Ape analyzing uh the december volatility uh it's sort of the magnum opus on uh market conditions for december so rather than listen to me ramble about it go check that out because it's incredible and we're going to post it on our twitter um our twitter handle is deus x dow 
you can find this, uh, you can find the Medium post there and we'll continue to be posting you know, different articles um, as we go forward. Thanks for that shout out, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's so interesting about this market. Do we have all these tools at our disposal um, as non-institutional investors to be able to read the markets? Um, for, for what it's worth, you know, coming, coming back to the question about DeFi blue chips and so forth, one of the things I think is really interesting to observe, and I'm personally learning, is how important capital flows are in crypto. And really that they are it. It kind of is why price moves. Um, Aperture taught me this. And uh, of course, you know, he, he's right about this, which is that if you only have limit orders and no market buyers, well, then price doesn't move, right? Because someone needs to be willing to sell for less than the current price to be able to push the price down and to be able to buy for more than the, the, the last, what is that? Bid, offer? Anyway, to push the price up. Um, and I think we can get so caught up in fundamentals and narratives and mimetics. And what's important to think about is how capital rotations can be dictated by all of these things, but that they don't have to be. And I think crypto is a market that really forces you to be so objective about how to trade. And you need to realize that in the case of, let's say, DeFi 1.0, like, yeah, if you apply traditional equity metrics to them, well, then sushi swap is uh, cheap, for example. But the problem is, unless there is a, a really bullish narrative for sushi swap or some other event happens that really results in more and more buyers coming in, well, then that market is just increasingly going to be abandoned by the informed crypto trader because that money will rotate to the market within crypto that does have that positive trend. And I think that's really what you're seeing play out. And the reason why it's become more difficult recently after the December uh, 4th open interest wipeout, for example, um, is that I think a lot of people got hurt already in May. Um, I think many floors must have dropped on NFTs. And in general, it feels like activity is kind of weighing down a little bit. And the sense I get is there's fewer incremental buyers. There's not a new dollar rising the entire price of the market. Because in those conditions, in that up-only bull market, it's kind of easy in crypto. You just allocate to good assets that have memetics or trend in their favor or narrative. Um, and, and often they end up going up as people rotate capital there. Um, but when you don't have the support, let's say, of an additional buyer coming in all the time, well, then the game gets much harder. And um, I'm finding I have to be a lot more critical about cutting and moving to where strength is. Um, yes. Yeah. And so this is why it's so important to take profit, which is very difficult for a lot of people to do when you hear, oh, well, this coin went 100x and I only made 3x or 5x. Like, I'm just going to wait until it 100x's. But like you said, like when there are no buyers, the price will drop. Yeah, I mean, I guess when it comes to the DeFi blue chips, we uh, we heard a lot of we heard a lot of different takes on why the, uh, the the performance was so poor relative to some of the other assets. And I think you're you're still looking at a really really speculative market with a lot of capital sloshing around and. 
part of me thinks that crypto speculators love to move on to the the new shiny thing in the space so if you're if you're not able to to get that 10 or 100x return you're going to move on pretty quickly and DeFi 1.0 probably realized that last year or earlier this year so those early buyers took their took their stacks to the next big thing which was you know nfts and metaverse uh, because those had the higher upside and they wanted to do that 10 100x again so i would say when, when it comes to those those tokens long term they're going to be fine they're stalwarts in the in the the crypto ecosystem and and they really are the building blocks for DeFi. Um, they're battle tested. They're safe, you know, from a crypto perspective. And you know, once new capital has more clarity on, on the regulatory front, they will start seeing more consistent flows. There were there were a couple funds that got set up uh, this year. Galaxy Digital has a DeFi fund, and Grayscale also has a DeFi fund. Those funds have performed horribly. Um, I, hopefully they haven't shot themselves in the foot by setting those up too early and preventing, you know, new capital flows, but they, they should be, like I said, they should be fine going forward. Yes. And again, I wanted to bring up the blind leading the blind, just because these guys are like, you know, billion dollar funds or, or are managing hundreds of millions of dollars does not mean that they're correct. It doesn't mean that when they buy Ave, Ave is going to moon, not saying that it's not going to moon in the future, but, um, but yeah, it's, really at the end of the day we're all just trying to make sense of of this thing that is very difficult to make sense of um and back to what brucey was talking about earlier about um uh, narratives and capital flows i the perfect example in my mind right because i was looking at the price as it was happening um sushi swap i think earlier this year when wall street bets actually not just sushi swap but i was looking at sushi swap because i i bought in um, and then sold at $7, right? I bought it at like a dollar. I sold it at seven. I was very happy. And then Wall Street bets came out. This whole Wall Street bets thing was happening. Um, and then Robinhood said that they're going, they're halting trading on, on these certain assets, right? That were all the assets that Wall Street bets were, were shilling. When Robinhood came out with that statement, all of the decentralized exchanges started popping, right? So sushi swap, just because I was looking at it, jumped from $7 to like $21 in the span of a few days. And it was pretty amazing to see that interconnectedness of what is going on here, uh, translating into what we're doing and what we're paying attention in cryptos. So the last segment of, of, this, of this show is... What is what do you guys think is in store for 2022? Are there any um, are there any narratives that you're particularly going to be doubling down on, or are excited about? Nighthawk. Hey, yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to project out to what I think will happen uh, throughout going into 2022. Like further into the year, I think that. I've learned over my time in crypto is that it's probably a good idea not to like make, you know, bets on something that you think is going to be a big deal in six months from now in crypto. Um, and, you know, from my standpoint, just looking into Q1, 
Um, I think we're going to see uh, continuation to the upside in this market. Um, and I think we see alternative layer ones continue to do well. I mean, one thing that I am looking at that I'm, that I'm excited to see and interested to see how it goes is just Cosmos and that entire ecosystem. And with, um, you know, Luna obviously doing incredibly well. And uh, I'm interested to see what happens with the Atom token itself as the Gravity Bridge has uh, been built out connecting Cosmos to Ethereum. And then if we actually see some of these blockchains that are built on, that are part of the Cosmos ecosystem sort of connect into the Cosmos hub and um, use that as a security hub. And if we see value go to the Atom token, I just think that Cosmos is a very interesting ecosystem. We've seen Terra just absolutely exploding. And um, yeah, I think that that token itself could be undervalued if Cosmos vision uh, that they've laid out and um, built out ends up adding value to the to the atom token so that's that's one thing i'm looking at um so yeah and pass it on to someone else yeah so personally i i'm a little bit more hesitant at these levels um of course crypto is at the mercy also of the global markets more legacy markets and um, I think going into 2020, uh, 2022, <laughs> tapering and the Fed rate hikes will be important. Where um, I think this last bull market, um, you know, the last one and a half to two years was uh, because of the economy being held up by a lot of printing um, and a lot of money printing, causing inflation, people seeking hatches. And, you know, as we mentioned before, uh, momentum is really important in the market and, and these money flows are really important. And um, when they stop, uh, liquidity gets really thin in crypto, especially because there are lots of projects. So um, personally, I, I would want to see um, the market picking up some momentum again before uh, fully allocating um, money. Um, of course, I think in the next few few weeks and months, uh, Bitcoin and the market had a really big shakeout, so we could at least see some some relief bounces and rallies. Uh, but we'll have to assess it, I think, level by level and and see how also the general economy reacts to these tapering and and fat rate hikes because they they are months down the road, and like months in crypto could be a full bull market in between. So. Um, the question is, are investors putting pulling their money out or putting it back in? Um, but it definitely is some, something to keep in mind going into the next few months that uh, it could be good to also have cash uh, at hand uh, or quickly or more aggressively take profits on the way up to at least a half capital for the next few years uh, if you have a longer term approach to crypto too yeah i mean there's always the next having which is going to keep happening right as long as that sort of um cyclical nature of bull market bear market continues then it's you know you can always wait 
um, the past year and a half or two years has been phenomenal for cryptocurrencies. And there is really no rush to get in. Um, you could potentially just be hurting yourself by rushing into it. Uh, in terms of the larger macroeconomic landscape, we can have a, a, a long conversation about it, right? We, we do have some, you know, gigabrain macroeconomists in, in our DAO, um, which, you know, hopefully we'll have them on our, uh, on our next podcast. But um, yeah, it's certainly a very, you know, complex topic um, that I would love to sort of shelve out uh, further. So plans for DED. What are our plans for 2022, guys? Well, get our legal entity set up, continue growing our community, produce a whole bunch of cool content, some more write-ups like we did about the market, but also investment theses, um, continuing this podcast, and then, of course, our partnerships with teams um, where we are very excited to support people who are going to push forward crypto, who are building interesting things. And we would love to do it alongside you and uh, improve your odds of success. All right. Now, a quick roundtable again on, I guess, your your boldest thoughts or boldest predictions for, let's call it the next six or 12 months, um, or your most controversial thought slash prediction for the coming year. Yeah, Nighthawks, do you want to do you want to uh, start? So your your boldest predictions for 2022 or your most controversial predictions for 2022? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, um, I'd say my boldest prediction is that we see um, with the tapering and 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 news and speculation around around tapering that we see the equity markets sort of slow down and uh, that we see crypto decorrelate in a way that in a, in a very, very meaningful way. Uh, I think that right now crypto is sort of seen at least for people that are operating mainly in traditional financial markets as sort of this play toy that we touch when uh, the market is red hot and, um, you know, historically, crypto um, has been an uncorrelated asset class. It remains a brand new asset class. And I think we could see some sideways actions in, in, in equities while crypto sort of decouples from all of that and goes back to doing its own thing. Um, I feel like there's been there's been moments since the uh March 2020 Black Swan event where crypto has decoupled, but it's always seems to find its way back to getting in line with the S&P. So that would be my kind of bold prediction that crypto uh, becomes the un or uncorrelated asset class that it, it traditionally has been and, uh, and that we move up or down in our own fashion. So I like it. I like it. Um, Ape? Do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the, the thing is that I, I never really do these, these longer term predictions because it can change in a few weeks and just looking at the trend and I'll, I'll be following the trend. 
Um, so for now, I think I, I would just be bearish. <laughs> I think uh, we, we could s simply see a one to two year bear market in, in crypto. And I would welcome that, to be honest, uh, to, to reset, go into that halving and whatever. Um, to to reallocate uh, to to see new projects to especially like cut out all the noise that doesn't survive. Um, but to be honest, like if the trend quickly changes, I'll I'll hop on. Um, but um, yeah, I'll uh, for for now I I'm managing risk and and see what twenty twenty two brings. All right. No, very, that's, that's a, a very good approach, right? Cause we always have to be careful. Um, not saying that I think, you know, it's going to be bear market. I personally think that Bitcoin, you know, can drop to $30,000 and we'll still have this bull market intact. Um, anything under that, I, then I don't know. Um, I don't know if, you know, you guys follow certain people who, for example, Benjamin Cohen, into the cryptoverse, his logarithmic regression bands that he created to sort of um, match the curve of, of Bitcoin's price action since its inception has the lower part of his band right now at $11,000. Meaning with his analysis, we can technically get down to 11K tomorrow and still maintain our bullish structure. It's probably not going to happen, but, but yeah, I do hope that we don't sort of you know slowly downtrend for the next two years but if it does you know we'll be ready um, yeah and I, I think there are these models that also mention something around 20k and absolutely if, if those levels touch i'm i'm 100 the buyer uh, it's more about like all the other stuff in the ecosystems like we we can see alts go minus 99 and that that will ruin your full portfolio so oh yeah um yeah i i think the safest bets currently are the majors like bitcoin and ethereum because they, they they will probably be around and if they die the whole space dies so uh but you know they will probably be alive and they are good bets um going into the the, the newer years uh but i think it's also smart to have some of that money on the sidelines if those extremes happen that that's like the maximum opportunity there absolutely and you know not financial advice but uh <laughs> i would totally sell my house and buy at those levels like that is how confident i am um if we do get down there i think uh next up is ace on your bold prediction or most uh, controversial thoughts on uh, for the next year yeah does my mic sound okay guys perfect it's great yeah so i agree with nighthawks uh on his take around the cosmos ecosystem it's going to be the most i would say the most investable layer one next year in terms of its returns and total value lock increases um the the narrative that we're going to start to see emerge is ibc and how um it has the shared security and, and interconnected ecosystem. Uh, IBC has already uh, started doing, you know, wonders with with the Terra and Osmosis um, connection. You've seen the the total value locked really go up quickly within Osmosis as they brought in the stablecoin. Um, and 
gravity bridge as well as the um, the other bridge from Ethereum to osmosis that that's going to bring another you know inflow of, of fresh liquidity to increase TVL and and uh, and and swap volumes in the osmosis chain. So I'm I'm expecting a lot of activity within the uh, Cosmos ecosystem. We're seeing new app chains kind of launch uh, quickly and 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 uh, getting high valuations right out of the gate. Um, I'm actually quite a bit more bullish on <clears throat> Cosmos than I am like the Polkadot um, ecosystem. I think Polkadot is <laughs> ironically a bit too VC controlled for for my taste and. Uh, uh, so I'll be focusing the majority of my investment uh, attention on what's going on in Cosmos. All right. Thanks, Bruce. So I find the the large contrarian thesis hard. I'm not sure I have any now. Um, what I do see and will invest around is that I think there's been a larger amount of VC capital raised ever. You know, it's been 4x 2021 than it was 2020. I think crypto has reached more people than ever. And there's a lot of people building stuff. It's just so clear. And for me, what that implies is that this asset class will continue growing. And it's about survivability. It is how can I make sure that you know, whether I get price right now or price right a year from now or two years from now, how could I make sure I am either exposed or can get exposed and, and will be uh, prepared enough to be able to do it um, to come out really great swinging uh, on the next run up? Um, I'm not as bullish or bearish per se. I think if price goes lower, I will continue to buy, um, but certainly very sensitive about alt strength. Um, but the macro trend is what I want to invest around. And I think that is what has made the most people, the most money who have succeeded in crypto. Um, and I know I'm not a, a good trader, so I, I won't attempt to be. And, uh, I say this largely as an aspirational thesis to myself. Thank you. No, definitely. That's, that's great advice. To, to sort of cap off, guys, um, if we can go around and talk about where can we find, uh, where can we find you, right? Where can we see some of your content? What are your Twitter accounts? Um, and if we can start with Ape. Yeah, sure. You can follow me at Ape and then underscore Archer, like Aperture, but with an underscore after Ape. All right. Nighthawk. Hey, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, at Nighthawks uh, underscore Diner. And uh, yeah. Bruce? Crypto Brucey on Twitter. And then finally, Ace. Yep. <clears throat> Ace underscore DA underscore book. You can also join my E3P community Discord and follow the the link from uh, from my Twitter profile. And I also have a blog that I write on a weekly basis called The Last 168 Hours in DeFi. Uh, you can sign up for that at etherp.substack.com. Good shit. And you can find me at Syra, S-Y-R-A, 
303 on Twitter. And again, for our for our DAO, our DAO's Twitter handle is DeusXDAO. We'll be posting um, everything that Ace just mentioned and our application process for the DAO on our Twitter page. Soon enough, we will have a website where you can find all of this stuff. Um, we are having, at least for the current community members, we've already been reaching out to friends who would be interested to, to join, you know, as a, as a, uh, as an intern and yeah, very exciting stuff. I am certainly incredibly excited for the next year, you know, bull or bear. And just wanted to say, thank you. Thank you very much guys for, for joining us. Is there anything that I missed? No, I think this is great. Um, I would encourage anybody who wants to learn more about the DAO to reach out to us on Twitter, either personally or just to DAO uh, Twitter account itself. And for teams building, uh, please reach out as well. Uh, we'd love to spar with you about your innovations and plans. And like you said, we are hiring. So uh, anybody looking to get a track record working for a DAO, um, with a background of investment analysis, be it in crypto or elsewhere, uh, please reach out to us. Fantastic. All right, everybody have a great day and we will see you soon. Thank you.